Well, good morning, church. How we doing? We're all, we're all here. We're all back. We're all safe and sound. Uh, welcome to everyone that's watching online or on the patio. Uh, we're so excited for, uh, for this morning to be with each other, to worship Jesus together. We have our youth band leading us this morning. We have a huge, yes. You. We are going to give an update on Hume Lake as well, and so it's exciting uh, to be in God's house this morning. Uh, a few things is, I know main event, which is our kids' ministry, um, Vacation Bible School, we call it main event. It's coming up July 10th through, uh, nope, July 17th through 21, and I know we, we are looking to uh, serve a lot, of, a lot of young people in our community, and so if you are interested in being a part of that week and, and um, blessing some young people and, and families in our community. We would love to have uh, you with us that week to um, just be a light, be an encouragement, be someone that is, that is a safe person, a smiling face um, for these young people because I know I was here last year and it was wild in a good way. Um, and so we are that's coming up very soon. And so if you have that week off, if you are retired, if you are young, if you are in the middle, whatever it is, uh, we would love to have you join us. Lock arms and go after these little kids and just point them to Jesus. And so um, that's super exciting. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited for that. Our team has, has been planning for a while. And um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and stay, ask you to stand to your feet. We're, we're going to get into worship and praise this morning. And as we do this, I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. Can I do that? Okay, thank you. For those who are visiting with us, um, I, um, this is this is a special time that we, we get to do right now. It's We're not singing songs to a God that we cannot see, but we're singing the songs to a God that lives in us. And he is with us. And so if, if this is new to you, I know this is not new to a, a most of us, but if this is new to you, um, I would just ask you to have an open heart, an open mind towards uh, what God would want to do in your life this morning as we gather and worship for, I don't know, half an hour or so. And if you don't know the, the, the songs we're singing, don't let that stop you from worshiping Jesus. We'll have words on the screen. These young people are very passionate about Jesus, and passionate about worshiping his name. And so we want you to be um, just aware that Jesus is among us this morning. Amen. So let's go to God uh, in prayer. So Father, we thank you so much for another day to be alive, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your word tells us that there are new mercies for us every single day. And so, Lord, help us to walk in those new mercies this morning. And Lord, we commit our life, we, we commit our day to you, and we ask that you would have your way. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to come into the house of God, come together as your church, the, the thing that you're building, and we get to lift up your name, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that your name is above Hume Lake, your name is above New Life, and your name is above any other church represented in this community. And so unify your people this morning, God. We come before you um, knowing that you are going to meet us in this time, whatever that looks like. If that's to calm nerves, heal broken hearts, bind marriages back together, restore wayward kids, Lord, we want to lift up your name because your name is the only one that can do any of that stuff. You tell us to worship you in spirit and truth. So, Lord, 
we come before you in spirit and truth. Holy Spirit, I pray that there will be freedom in this room, spiritual freedom in this room, a spirit of worship in this room. Chains would fall off because we lift up Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love towards us. And we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. If you love God, say amen. Amen. Let's worship Jesus together.
excited to see what God has been working in these Hume um, young kids. So please sit. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor, turn to somebody. Oh, going right.
when you pry your hands off the control of your life and surrender your life to Jesus may seem like a painful, difficult thing, but it couldn't be more worth it. Turn to somebody near you and say, look what the Lord is doing. <laughs> amen, amen. Well, it's so exciting for me to be able to have some of our students on the platform to give witness and testimony to what the Lord has done in their lives. And so I'm going to start with Marley. And I just want you guys to introduce yourselves. I want you to uh, share um, what high school you guys go to and then how many years you have uh, been going to Hume. Hi, my name is Marley. Um, I go to Templeton High School and I've been to Hume about eight times. Hi, I'm Malia. This is my first year at Hume, and I go to Grande High School. My name's Aiden Dahl. I just graduated from Mission College Prep, and this is my second year this year. My name's Judah Jansen. Um, this is my, that was my second year, and I'm a, I go to AG High School. Awesome, awesome. All right, so um, Judah, why don't we start with you? And, and uh, one of the things that happens at Hume is there's activities, and there's these moments that kind of you guys carve out and experience that are outside of maybe even the regular programming and things of that nature. And so why don't you share one of your favorite memories? Uh, why don't each of you share one of your favorite memories? Yeah, you? uh, my favorite memory is by far getting baptized. Like just, just standing, like, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, just, I mean, standing in the water with like my, some of my closest friends, um, the most like joy that I've ever felt, the most freeing feeling that, that has ever come, come to me. And that was, that was by far something I will never forget, so. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Uh, for me, 
It was watching, watching people get baptized. It was, it was amazing. Um, and also winning the basketball tournament. I know, yeah. I know last, year, last, year, last year we got second, and I had to, I had to make it up. You know, so. <laughs> oh, there they are. Yeah, yeah, So, all right, very cool, very cool. Leah? Um, my favorite memory is also getting baptized. It's just like being in that water. It's just a surreal experience. Yeah. Um, my favorite memory was definitely Thursday night's chapel. Um, we were just all circled up and just hugging each other and praying over everyone. And you could just really feel like the Holy Spirit in the room. And I honestly feel like God's really working through our generation. And like Pastor Phil said before we left, or when we were there, he said he wasn't worried about us going to human, like coming off this camp high, because we were already on that, like we were already on fire for God before we went. Amen. So I don't know. That was just really powerful to me. Amen. Amen. Well, yeah, we, there's a lot of things that the Lord um, does in our lives. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's already working even before you guys get to camp, as Marley just said. And sometimes it's something that the Holy Spirit does at camp. So can you just kind of share what the Lord maybe did in your life? Um, definitely, like, God has brought me so many amazing people. Not even people from our church that I just grew closer with at Hume. But, like, meeting new people and, like, growing, like, with my religion and, like, through Christ with other people. Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, you can go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in 2017, I gave my life to God. That was my first year at Hume. And then in 2022, I got baptized. Um, and just seeing God working in so many other people's lives is so powerful and amazing. Um, seeing so many people like wanting to give their life to God and get baptized. And yeah, that was just probably my thing. Awesome. Awesome. Aiden? Um, for me, Hume was definitely way different than last year because last year I stood up on Thursday, gave my life to Christ, and then on Friday I got baptized. But being on the other side uh, this year and watching Judah stand up and some of my other, other, other cabin mates stand up uh, was, was totally special and watching him get baptized and watching, watching people's lives change in just one week is something that, I mean, I, I won't ever forget and it's just truly special. Amen. Amen. Um, so I don't, I don't know most of y'all, but I know, I know a lot of you guys know my, kind of know my story, like what I've, what I've been through, what I've done in my past, um, all the way from being addicted to drugs to, to being in handcuffs, you know. Um, just two months ago, just like just, and it switched just like that. Um, everything leading from the last time I got caught up with everything and, and, and being able to go to Hume. Uh, being able to squeeze me in, being being able for for people like for you guys to help me go to Hume and, and to really change my life, um, that was that was huge for me. Um, I, I really could not have done it with any with any of you without any of you guys or without any of the people that I'm here with, like on this stage right now. Um, like like Aiden said, I, when I stood up on Thursday and I gave my life to Christ, um, I just felt like I like I needed like like that was that was kind of my moment. This was like. This is what this is what I want to do now. Is, is follow follow Jesus and and talk about it, you know. So so just in in the little in the little amount of time, the month the month of of after I got caught to going to Hume, um, it re, it really changed my life. And, and and I ended up getting baptized on Friday. I don't know if you guys saw in the video, and and I I, I almost felt bad, you know, all my friends jumping in the water after my baptism. Um, but, but it's because they all knew, like, kind of what I've been through, like, like the 180, the Jurassic turn that I made um, in just a little bit of time. And, and I'm so thankful to be on this path and to have everybody, you guys all here and, and everybody on the stage with me. So, Amen. Amen. 
Well, we're going to pray for you guys here in a moment, but I want to remind you guys of a couple of things, and, and Judy, you articulated it. Um, the Lord has used you guys to be a part of what's happening in students' lives. Some of you have sacrificed so that students could go to camp who maybe didn't even know two months ago that they needed to be there. And some of you have spent time interceding for our students, and you spent time interceding while they were at camp, and you didn't take the, just see those prayer prompts and just kind of pass them by and go on to the next um, social media stream. But you paused, and you prayed, and the Holy Spirit did his work. And so never, I just say, don't, don't believe the headlines in the world. Don't believe the headlines in the world. The headlines in the world are talking about, you know, hey, where, you know, where's this generation going or what's happening or whatever. I'll tell you where they're going. When, when we create environments and we allow them to hear the good news of the Lord, they receive Jesus Christ into their lives and they begin to follow him passionately. And I've seen more passion just oozing out of our students as they have encountered Jesus. And it's not just, not just hype but it's transformation. And so we're so excited about what the Lord is doing. And I just want you, um, you know, as their church family, and this is something that's so important. The students I, I love, um, in fact, I, I, know you, I know you kind of uh, got uh, Pastor Phil's new life or no life. I, I'm assuming you saw that. But what I love, what I love is um, you guys are new life. You're not just part of the student ministry and our kids aren't just part of the kids ministry and our adults aren't somehow then new life because you attend, you know, here, but we are new life and we are becoming fully alive in Jesus from the youngest to the oldest. And so we're so excited about what the Lord is doing. So would you guys just reach out your hands uh, to these students and they're representing all kinds of students that will be here in our 11 o'clock service as well. And let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. And God, we are so thankful for the way that you are moving in our midst from our youngest to our oldest, God. We are seeing life transformation happen and it's not because of new life and it's not because of uh, anything that we are necessarily doing. And God, it's your spirit. Your spirit is on the move. And your spirit is filling people and your spirit is breaking chains and your spirit is setting people free and your spirit is moving. And God, we get to be a part of it. And so God, would you just allow us to have the wisdom to get in the flow of your spirit? Would you allow us to have the wisdom to surrender our lives to Jesus? Would you allow us to have the wisdom, God, to see that you are Lord and you are king and nothing else is? And so, God, we just pray for continued testimony. We pray for the seeds that were planted and the, the growth that has begun. God, we are trusting in this that, you, that we can be confident that because you have begun this good work, you will be faithful to complete it. And we ask all these things in the name and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate these students as they leave the platform today?
So this morning you've been learning, uh, maybe that first song was kind of new to you. That was one of their uh, Hume Camp songs. This next song that we're going to sing is another Hume Camp song um, that they learned and just resonated with so many of our students. And I want to encourage you, as you stand, as you stand and we continue in worship, uh, I want to encourage you this. This is kind of like a um, sing and response song. So they're going to sing and then we respond and they're going to sing and then we're going to respond. And so it's going to be a really easy song for us to learn together and I just ask that you would press in and worship. Holy Spirit, this is sacred time and sacred space. Would you have your way in this moment?
So Ferris, Lord Jesus, you are our God and we will ever praise you. Ferris, Lord Jesus, you are our God and we will ever praise you. Lord, we will seek you in the morning. Help us to learn to walk in your ways and step by step, Lord, as you've shown your faithful, you will lead us. And may we follow you, God, all of our days. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. As we continue in our time of worship with grateful hearts, with generous hearts, uh, we invite the ushers to come forward. And uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, uh, again, just the testimony of what it looks like to pour in, Lord, to your kingdom so that the next generation can be impacted, God, so that we can be faithful to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, and to live out your mission here on this earth, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. The couple announcements I have, obviously some of you are wearing the colors we are celebrating today as a church. America's 247th birthday, I believe I saw. That's what it is. America's 247th birthday is in a couple of days, and today we get to kind of celebrate that as a a church family um, here uh, on campus. We're going to be having some music. I know there's a cakewalk happening, so if you're interested in winning some cake and walking for it, maybe you can walk off some of the calories, like some pre-calorie sort of walking situation. Uh, We're going to be doing that on the patio. It's going to be really fun. And then there's a chicken meal. I know you can get a chicken meal for like 10 bucks, something like that, and a hot dog for six. Um, And there's stuff for the kiddos as well. So you guys have an opportunity to eat together in the Life Center, hang out, fellowship. It's going to be really fun. So please do that. And if you haven't gotten a ticket yet for the food. Pretty sure you can make that happen too. Just find one of us staffers here and we'll help you out. Uh, the other thing, we, we voted for our board last week with a lot of prayerful consideration and everything. And I want to announce with a round of applause, we had a unanimous voting in of, of Mr. Kenny Northcote and Mr. Stephen Field. So... If you guys could just keep them in your prayers as we, uh, as we have a new couple of, of guys stepping in and some others coming out of that. The board is so important here at New Life. They work with Pastor David, all the pastors here on staff. Um, and so they're always in prayer. They're looking at the finances. They're looking at how can we maximize what the Lord is doing in our midst. So that's a really great opportunity for us as congregants just to be um, thinking about them, praying for them. And whenever you see them, just give them a word of encouragement as well, okay? All right, now I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to continue in our time of worship with a prayer, a liturgy for the 4th of July. Dear Lord, there is no greater feeling of liberty than experiencing freedom from sin and death that you provided for me through Jesus Christ. Today, my heart and soul are free to praise you. For this, I am very thankful. Dear Father, I am so thankful for this nation. Thank you for the opportunities and freedoms we have to help me never take these blessings for granted. Help me to live my life in a way that glorifies you, Lord. Give me the strength to be a blessing in someone's life today and grant me the opportunity to lead others into the freedom that can be found in knowing Jesus Christ. It's in your name I pray. 
Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Um, even if you don't have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take notes this morning, whether that be on your phone or the card in front of you. Um, take out that card or take out your Bible and take notes in it. One of the interesting, again, aspects of this series that we're in on parables is that uh, parables are not just nice stories that we kind of, at the end of it, go, oh, that was a sweet story. That was nice. You know, I really liked that story. Parables are designed to challenge us. Parables are designed to help us to think more deeply about our relationship with God. They're designed to help us kind of be a little bit uncomfortable at times. And so we're going to be here in a moment in Matthew chapter 7 at verse 24. One of the things that um, is interesting, um, I was doing some reading and I came across a sociologist. And the sociologist posited this. That from the time that Jesus was born to the year 1500, that it took that long, for 1500 years, for, uh, for knowledge to double. So the amount of information, the amount of knowledge that we had, for it to double, took 1500 years from the time of Jesus' birth to the t- till, till 1500. From there, knowledge doubled in 250 years. So from 1500 on, it took 250 years for knowledge to double again. Then, starting at World War II, it doubled, um, it doubled, I'm sorry, from that year until uh, World War II, it doubled 100 years. So every 100 years, it doubled again. In the 80s, knowledge doubled every 12 months. So think about that. From the beginning, it took, it took from Jesus' birth to 1500 for it to double one time. Now you get to all the way to 1980s, and it's doubling every 12 months. I wonder how much it takes to double today. 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes, the knowledge that we have in this world is doubling. And so what this does is one of two things. On one end, it makes us feel completely overwhelmed because you are more aware of things today than you ever have been in your entire life. Our generations are more aware of of pain. Our generations are more aware of suffering. Our generations are more aware of things not only happening in the United States, but happening around the world. And so what it can do is it can lead to apathy. In fact, we know this because... uh, There's more information on how to eat healthy and stay healthy and exercise and all these things than there ever has been before. There's more information about why you should go get regular checkups than ever before. There's more information about all kinds of things that we hear, but we never do. We read about, but we never do. And so one of the things that this kind of onslaught of information can do is it can create apathy. It used to be, think about this for a moment, it used to be that you only knew information about your neighborhood. You only knew information about the people that were surrounding you. And so when Johnny, your neighbor down the street, had some type of fire going on in their house and you heard about it, you knew that you had to act upon that information because you knew Johnny and you knew that information. And there was a responsibility here then. Now, you are aware of things that happen all over the nation and all over the world. And when you hear about it, you say, huh, and you keep scrolling. You say, huh. And you move on to your next task. So on one end, it can breed apathy. On the other end, it can breed breed anger and frustration. 
And so information that we have today has this ability to breed in us an inactivity or at the very kind of most, we get stirred in our spirit. We get angry or we get frustrated. But again, we don't often do anything about it. We are in an in a, uh, age of what I want to say is information overload. And Jesus has something to say to us. He has a parable to remind us. Because even in our spiritual life, you, you know that you have access to the word of God in ways that generations before us never did? Do you know specifically as people who live in a country with so many freedoms that we have access to the word of God where other countries don't? Do we have ears to hear? Matthew Chapter 7, verses 24 through 28, Jesus is just wrapping up what's referred to as his Sermon on the Mount. Now, he didn't call it that. Just generations later said, hey, he taught on a mountainside. Let's call that the Sermon on the Mount. So it's not something that Jesus came up with. It's something that people later on came up with. But yet, it is his, his pinnacle teaching in the book of Matthew. And one of the reasons it's so important, because it actually follows the same framework that Moses um, follows when he is giving his, giving the Ten Commandments, when he is reminding Israel how uh, God is going to be their God and they will be um, his people. And so the Sermon on the Mount is all of a sudden kind of this kind of re-articulating re, um, and even taking further what the Jewish people already knew. And so at the end of it, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 28, here's what we hear. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Stop right there. Therefore, what did we learn last week? Every time you see a therefore, you ask what it's? Exactly. So you need to read back. And what we read is that throughout the last several chapters, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and the majority of Matthew chapter 7, that's where we read the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins to uh, speak into every aspect of life during that particular time. He also invites. There is no, there is no, this is not a message for simply the spiritual elite, this is not a message for those simply that have gone to school. These are, this is not a message just for the Jewish people even, even though Matthew is primarily writing to a Jewish audience. This is for everyone. And so it's fascinating. Again, if you look at the other world religions, so many of them are divided up by ethnicity or specific ethnicity. And so you have certain people groups that believe in certain uh, faith traditions or faith uh, religions, right? But when it comes to Christianity, we specifically we see this in the book of Acts, uh, the message of the gospel is not for one people group. It is for everyone. And so the words of Jesus, specifically on the Sermon on the Mount, are not for one people group. They are for everyone, no matter your socioeconomic class, no matter your, no matter your generation, no matter where you find yourself, Jesus' words are for you. Now, what's incredible about this is that this is an incredibly um, invitational um, idea that, that Jesus would invite you into uh, understanding his words, and yet it's also a very exclusive claim. The invitation is wide, but the claim that he invites you into is exclusive. In fact, at times it can even sound arrogant. To our modern ears. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. There is a wide gate and there's a narrow gate. 
he says towards the end of chapter 7. All of these things seem to be like, oh, wow, like we hear them in our ears. We're like, oh, but, but wait, that's so, that's so inclusive and yet exclusive. And we hold it in tension. And especially in a world where we have access to so much information. Jesus, how can you say that you are the way? How can you make this claim that it's through your words that we're gonna be able to be led into life? When, when I have access to all kinds of information, when I have access to all kinds of beliefs, when I have access to so many other ideologies and faith religions and so many other political ideas, God, you're saying that your words are that important? He says, therefore, everyone who hears. See, some of you have heard this passage, and, and, and we just skip right over some of these words. Hears. On your notes, jot down. What are you listening to right now? What podcasts are you listening to? What news source are you listening to? If you took inventory of your day, and you determined how many hours... You spend. You see, one of the things that's come with a plethora of information is a plethora of devices to deliver that information. And so we have our, we have small screens and big screens and little tiny screens and all kinds of stuff. We've got radios. And if you don't like their radio, don't want to listen to, you know, commercials, you can pay not to have to listen to commercials. And we have podcasts and we have all kinds of different ways of receiving information. What sources are you listening to? Because hearing seems to be important. What you hear seems to be important. And for Jesus, hearing should lead to practice. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, again, exclusive claim, hears these words of mine, not somebody else's words, not a syncretism of Jesus' words and somebody else's words, but everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. This is a running theme for Jesus. Jesus didn't understand a world where you heard and believed in something and yet did not practice it. And yet, because of, again, the onslaught of information that we have in our world, we are actually conditioned to hear things and not do them. We are conditioned to hear information that could be great for us and actually not do them. So Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them in to practice. There are so many different voices that are competing for our attention. It's one of the things that I hear so often from those who went to Hume is, man, it was so easy to practice the ways of Jesus when we were all get together. Do you know why it was easy to practice the way of Jesus when you're at Hume or if you're an adult, if you're at a retreat or if you get away to a silent retreat or if you spend just even a morning in the word of God and turn everything off and you leave your phone in the other room? The reason is, is because you're only hearing a singular voice. See, when you're up at Hume, one of my favorite things is that you can't have access to the internet. Now, you can pay for it up there, but most, uh, most of our students do not have access to the internet up at Hume. Your phone becomes literally a paperweight. It's useless. 
And so all of a sudden, our students, and all of a sudden, when you find yourself kind of getting, let's just use this phrase, when you find yourself getting off the grid, even if it's just for a morning, and you leave your phone, and you leave the music, and you turn off the TV, and you do all of those things, and you have one singular voice, all of a sudden, that invites you to ask yourself, is my hearing leading to practice? Is my hearing leading to practice? And so Jesus goes on. He puts them into practice as like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew in a great <clears throat> blew in a, and beat against the house. And yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and it beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Now Jesus was known, again, parables are known for, Jesus was known for using kind of metaphors or stories or ideas, analogies that all of a sudden would be connected with what people knew. And so one of the things that people knew were, there, were houses and houses were multi-generational dwellings. There wasn't like, hey, you had your house and I have my house. So what happened is your house became a hub for your family. And because you probably didn't have the resources to have a business down the road and your house, your business probably out operated out of your home as well. And so the generations were in your house. You ate in your house. You did life in your house. You worked from your house. And quite honestly, your house was probably linked to your ancestral heritage. And so you have all of your life wrapped up in your home. And so when Jesus says, um, the one who hears is like a house, he's saying, the one who hears and puts this into practice, this is what your life is gonna look like. They would have made that connection that the house is connected or a metaphor for them understanding what their life is going to be like. And so he describes two types of people. A wise person and a foolish person. Now, most of us want to jump to the conclusion that Jesus is automatically talking about morals here. And so the wise person is going to be a moral person. And the unwise person is going to be an immoral person. But that's actually not the original Greek language that's utilized here. In fact, it's linked way more to intelligence. And this actually cracked me up. You may have never known this before. But the word that's utilized for the wise person is something that's linked to, linked to intelligence. So Jesus basically is saying, if you want to be wise, if you want to be smart, if you want to be intelligent, build your life on my words. If you want to be a Greek word, moros. It's where we get our word moron. Turn to somebody near you and say, don't be a moron. And what's fascinating about this is Jesus in chapter five says you're not supposed to use that word. He literally says, don't, you, don't call one another this moros, right? And so he's like, don't call each other a moron. That that's like a sin against God. And what's interesting is he says, don't do this with basically malice in your heart. So if you're making fun of somebody or if you are um, critiquing somebody in a way that is, is trying just to put them in their place or put them down, it's actually against the words of Jesus. But Jesus says, if the shoe fits... Right? If, if, if it's reality, 
And so he's saying, hey, you know what? If you build your house on my words, you are intelligent, you are wise, you are smart. And if you don't build your house on my words, you are a moron. And he's not just calling you names. He's literally saying, it's stupid. Again, an exclusive claim. Because what we want to do is sit there and go, hey, hold on, Jesus. Really, you're going to call me stupid? You're going to call me a moron? Because I want to include this, or I want, to, I want to make room for this ideology, or this thing, or have more of this than maybe your words? It's interesting. It's not a sweet story. It's a warning. And Jesus talks about two foundations. The first one, the one that the wise person builds their house upon is the rock or the words of Jesus. And again, in a region that is so filled with sand, people knew that you either wanted to dig down and get to a level of bedrock or you use limestone or some type of uh, stable rock for the first two courses of your house before you built upon it. Because in a sandy region, you knew that eventually the storms would come. Sandy foundation is what those who are false teachers or false prophets or, or other ideologies are built upon. And so why as you get to the end of the passage, Jesus warns people, don't listen to false prophets. Don't listen to false teachers. Don't listen to other ideologies. If you want to have life and life to its fullest, would you trust Jesus and his words? And yet for many of us, we find ourselves saying, ah, Jesus, you know, I'm doing pretty well myself. I, I kind of got this life thing. I got, I got through school or, man, I found a great trade that I'm awesome at and built my business or built my career. I got the house and the spouse and the family. And Jesus, yeah, I know I made some missteps here and there, but, you know, everybody makes some missteps here and there. I'm actually doing pretty good if you are really honest. Then we go on social media and we tell everybody how good we actually are. Or we listen to other people to build our life upon. Hey, you know what, this person, they've got some really good business knowledge. I'm gonna follow them. They're an influencer in my life. Oh, this person over here, they, they're an influencer in my understanding of how life works and how uh, how my understanding of sexuality works and how my understanding of business works and how all this, uh, this person's an influencer in my life. And we become self-dependent and the epitome of our culture is not people who do, who build their lives upon Jesus' words, but it's people who do what's right in their own eyes. What do I think is right? What do I think is good? Jesus talks about treasures, what to do with worry, what to do with legacy, interpersonal relationships. He said, would you trust me enough to build your life on my words? As you continue to read, it says, when the Rains came and the streams rose and the winds came. 
those things represented chaos within this particular culture. And again, Galilee is a dry land. Jerusalem in general is a dry land. In fact, did you know that Jerusalem and London get the same amount of precipitation um, uh, in terms of rain inches or precipitation inches each year. They both receive about 22 inches of rain each year. However, London spreads that out over 300 days, and Jerusalem does all of that within 50 days. And so when those rains come, if your house is built on sand... Anybody have a roof, roof problem like I did and you didn't know about it until this last season of rain? Anybody have a foundation problem and you didn't know about it until we had more rain than we have had in years? See, one of the things that's fascinating about the story is that Jesus is saying, hey, you may not actually realize the difference between building your life on Jesus's words, his words, and building your life on your words, the words of this world, until the storms come. The foundations from a distance look the same, especially in a culture where we have so many freedoms and so many abilities to build our own legacy and destiny and careers and things of that nature. You can step back and say, man, it just seems like those that follow Jesus' words and those that don't follow Jesus' words, they both seem successful, and they do in the dry seasons. But when the storms come and the winds come and the things that, that will come into our lives, that's where the separation begins. When sickness comes, when cancer comes, when job loss comes, when divorce comes, when relationship heartache comes, when you were thought you were going one direction and the rug of your life gets completely pulled out from underneath you, that's when you tell the difference. The chaos of life exposes foundations. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you were walking in a particular direction and the chaos of life hit. In fact, you heard Judah speak a little bit to this. The chaos of life hit and you realize the foundation is not strong. Now, here's something that's fascinating. You might have heard this particular parable a hundred times before. You might be hearing it for the first time. But I did a little bit deep, deeper dive um, this last week into some of the language. And I, and I think this is just absolutely fascinating to me. When it says that, these, that the wind and the waves beat against the house, it's interesting that two different words are used for that word beat in the Greek language. In the first portion where it says that they, the wind and the waves beat against the house and it stood because the person was wise and built their house on rock, it uses a Greek word that means to bow or prostrate yourself. And so essentially what is being said is if you build your life on Jesus' words, when the storm comes against that, that your foundation will be such that the storm will have to bow or prostrate itself to the words of Jesus. The second Greek word, if you re keep reading on and you go, okay, so in a sandy foundation, when the storms come and the winds come and they beat against the house, the second Greek word is actually a word that means to stumble or trip. 
So, if you build your house without the foundations of Jesus, even the slightest breeze, turn to somebody next to you and say, a breeze. Even the slightest breeze will have your house crash. See, I went through most of my time reading this passage thinking that we were talking about equal storms here. I went through most of my reading of this going, hey, you know what? Okay, I get that. Two really strong storms. Like if two people have cancer and, and, and they've once built their house on Jesus' words and another not on Jesus' words, uh, the one who has not built their life on Jesus' words, their life will crash. But that's not what the text says. The text says that the one who builds their life on Jesus' words, that the storm will have to bow or prostrate to Jesus' words. And the one who builds their life not on Jesus' words, it will take a gentle breeze to make it all crumble. They're not even equal storms. It's like, and so you have Jesus saying, don't be a moron, right? Don't be, like, why would you go through life worried about every little breeze? Because you have no foundation. It says, actually, not that only it will tumble, but it will crash. The Greek word that's utilized there is megale, where we get the word mega. It will come down in a mega way. And for some people, that happens all at once. For others, it's a slow fade. It's a little breeze, it's a little breeze, it's a little breeze, it's a little breeze, and then all of a sudden, it all comes down in a mega way. For some, it happens in one swift moment. It's rapid. For others, it unravels slowly. And so we step back and we say, all right, Jesus, I don't want to be a moron. I want to build my life on your words. I understand. See, there was not if these storms come. It's when these storms come, where will your foundation be? The last portion of the passage says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught with one who had authority and not as the teachers of their law. Don't you love that? He taught with one who has authority and not as one of the teachers of their law. And the claim that's being made here is that Jesus is more than a prophet, he's more than a rabbi, that he is the son of God. He is the embodiment of God. Again, an incredibly exclusive claim. He is the gate. And his way leads to life. He is the one who, on the day of judgment, when people cry, Lord, Lord, he will simply say, I do not know you. Why? I've heard you, Lord. I believed in my mind, but you have not practiced. You have not built your life on this foundation. He says that people who don't know him will be cast away. He also says that anybody who prophesies in his name that we, will sorry, that we will prophesy in his name, that we will cast out demons in his names, and that miracle, miracles will be done in his name. He has authority. And this teaching is seen as blasphemous to those who are listening. See, they would have been really okay if Jesus would have said, hey, I'm just like all the other rabbis. 
I'm just like all the other prophets. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus came and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he has this incredible authority of connecting for us the words of God because he is God incarnate. And some of you are going, all right, think about this for a moment. God, I know you have this exclusive claim, but, but I think I can figure this out on my own. What an audacious claim that we would say, myself and my intelligence and my finiteness, I'm gonna trust myself or I'm gonna trust an internet influencer or I'm gonna trust a TikToker or I'm gonna trust a YouTuber or I'm gonna trust a political figure. I'm gonna place my trust in one of those people rather than the one who created everything the one who knit me together in my mother's womb, the one who understands how everything was supposed to be created, the one who understands how we're supposed to think about relationships and how we're supposed to think about money and how we're supposed to think about uh, jobs and career and dominion and how we're supposed to think about sexuality and how we're supposed to think about all the things of life. That we would have the audacity to say, I think, I, I mean, I know you created it all, God. I know that you, you knit me together. I know you understand how this is all supposed to work. But I'm going to trust my instruction manual rather than yours. And so Jesus says, yeah, you can do that. It's moronic. But you can do that. You see, Jesus wasn't just quoting other rabbis. In fact, that was the way that people expected him to act. They expected him to say, hey, you know Rabbi so-and-so? Yep, I'm gonna quote him. Hey, you know, and he knew Old Testament scripture, obviously, and so he quotes some of that, but he wasn't quoting other rabbis and he wasn't putting things in quotations and making his citations. He was saying things like this. You have heard it said, but I say, do you have ears to hear? And then the, the last thing that made his life congruent or authoritative is that there was congruence between his life and his words. See, there were other rabbis and there was other religious leaders who said one thing, but they lived in a completely different way. Jesus spoke with authority and his, his life lined up with what he spoke. And he didn't say, hey, that's good for me, but you guys, you guys can kind of do. No, he says, he invites us to live our lives like him. Where our lives line up with his words. And we begin to live out and practice what he has taught us. And so I want you to think about a couple of things. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I want you to just to spend some time in reflection. You can take notes if you need to keep your eyes open. I want you to think about this idea. You will build your life on something. In fact, I would say you already are building your life on something. What is it? 
Like, as you're sitting here today, can you honestly say that your life is built on Jesus' words? Maybe you can say it's partially. Like, if you were to break it up in a percentage, you can say, hey, you know what? 30% of, 30% of my life is built on Jesus' words. The other, ah, that's kind of my own thing, or that's this influencer, or that's this person, or that's that person. Is your life built on Jesus' words? If not, who would you say your life is built primarily on? What ideology? What understanding? Is it left wing, right wing? Is it even, as much as I love this country, is it the American dream over and above the words of Jesus? Is it an influencer? Philosopher. Because the storms will come. The storms will come. And when the storms come, Do you trust the foundation that you've built your life upon? And for some of you, you might say, hey, you know what? I get this whole God thing. I get this whole Jesus thing. But you know what? I'm kind of good. I th- I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice. I'm going to chance it. Because I feel really comfortable where I'm at right now. And Jesus gives you permission to do that. But for others who might say, you know what? Because I'm in a storm or because I know that I'm not building my life on Jesus' words today, I want to trust in Jesus. If you're someone who wants to trust in Jesus, it's simply just inviting Jesus to be Lord of your life. You might have heard people in church talk about inviting Jesus into your heart again. While I understand what they're trying to say, to say when someone says something like that, the reality is, is that there are people who invite Jesus in their, into their heart, but they never make them Lord of their life. They receive his gift of forgiveness. That's awesome. I love that, but I'm not gonna build my life on your words. And Jesus invites you to do both to experience his forgiveness and to build your life on his words. And both lead to a strong foundation and fullness of life. And so Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And God, we confess it is so easy in a world that is filled with information and filled with ideologies and filled with different understandings. It is so easy to take a little bit here and take a little bit there and take a little bit there and somehow construct our own foundation. But God, we confess today that all of us have done that at some level. Forgive us, God. And God, we invite you to teach us how to build our lives on your foundation. 
we receive your gift of forgiveness. And we ask that you would teach us how to walk in your ways so that when the storms of life come, we will not be shaken. We will stand firm. In fact, the storms will have to bow or fall prostrate to your words and your ways and your authority. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We always have a prayer team up here at the front. If that prayer that I prayed at the end was stirring in you, or if you have questions about what it looks like to follow Jesus, or even more about how to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we have a prayer team at the front, and they would love to lead you into your next step and to talk to you more about that. And so I just invite you to come home at, or come to the front. I always say this at the end of service: take a breath. It is so easy to hear and then leave rather than hear and take a breath and say, Holy Spirit, are you done speaking to me today? And if he is done speaking to you today, I would say go Sabbath well. Go jump on the bounce houses, whatever you wanna do. Like go Sabbath well. But if you take that breath and the Holy Spirit says, I'm still speaking to you, I invite you to come forward to be prayed over, to be encouraged before you leave. As you go today, May you build your life, not just your Sundays, not just five minutes a day. May you build your life on Jesus's words. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next week.